What's happening, everyone? Welcome to Total Football Club, where we speak one universal language. My name is Alex Perez, joined as always from the city, New York City, Chris Sued, with a big smile on his face if you're watching this on YouTube. One, because he has that Brazil jersey on, and two, because Chelsea got a massive, massive win this weekend. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm very well. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm still kind of in shock over the news we got over this weekend with the the Super League. But man, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm well, but stunned, stunned. Of course, I think we all are. We're all stunned. But um, of course, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Super League. Uh, we're going to talk about Jose Mourinho. We'll talk about. Athletic Club against Barca, that Copa del Rey final. We'll talk about the FA Cup semifinals. We're going to talk about the MLS as well. But you mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Let's address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the European Super League. Um, I have the statement here from UEFA. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and read some parts of it. I don't want to put you guys through this whole thing. Um, I'm, I'm sure by now all of you guys have heard, have read it have watched some sort of analysis about it. Chris is like, I can't believe this is happening. Trust me, my brother. You're not the only one. <laughs> You're not the only one. So UEFA goes on and says, uh, UEFA, the English Football Association and the Premier League, uh, the Royal Spanish Football Federation and La Liga and the Italian, they basically named all of the major, major leagues. Um, and they said that they are planning, they, they're basically addressing the the plan for the Super League. And I, I, I find it funny how condescending UEFA is in this part because they call it the so-called Super League. And then they go on to say, if this were to happen, we wish to reiterate that we, UEFA, and then they name all those federations, but also FIFA, they bring FIFA into this and they say, and all of our member associations will remain united in efforts to stop this cynical project, a project that is founded on the self-interest of a few clubs at a time when society needs solidarity more than ever. Uh, I'm going to skim through right here, and then um, and then it, it basically ends with, with this. It says, this persistent self-interest of a few has been going on for far too long. Enough is enough. Um, that's what UEFA had to say, and then a bunch of teams, of course, followed up with their own statements, uh, both teams that are participating in the Super League and teams that are not participating in the Super League. Chris, as a fan of one of the teams that is participating in the Super League, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? Because there, I don't know if there's mixed emotions. Maybe you just have one emotion, but I want to hear it from a fan. Chris, how do you feel about this? So, in all honesty, the first thing that took over me was dread. Because I just thought, okay, well, we're we're gonna get banned for this. We're gonna get. We just had. We just served the transfer ban, so I, oh I know God. we're gonna get hit over the head for this too. And it's like, we just made a magical run in the Champions League, probably for nothing. We just went on this great run the rest of the season, and then the, the the main highlight was, you know, beating Poirot, getting to the semifinal, and it's and and that tie against Real Madrid that probably won't happen at this point. And it's it's a shock, man. I'm I'm still processing it because there's a lot of different ways to look at it. 
I could understand the club's point of view in which they say, oh, we, we, we bring in more than these so-called uh, other clubs in the champions competition don't bring in nearly enough revenue that these 12 clubs do. And I understand that point. It's just so tough to make that point during the, pan- the pandemic where so many people are struggling. It's like, man, it's, it's nuts. And the reports coming out of this hour, it, it, it's amazing. You hear Florentino Perez make a statement in which he's saying these 12 clubs are binded. They, they've essentially signed documentation already. So I don't know if they're backing down. And there's also talk that two clubs are already starting to crack and wanting to pull out of this. And they don't know. They're not saying who, but it's already starting to falter. And it's like, Man, if if it doesn't, it's a, it's the biggest game of chicken the game of football has ever seen. It maybe this maybe any sport. It's 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 it was an amazing day. I came here today prepared to talk about Chelsea and an amazing triumphant win against Pep Guardiola's team and what that can mean for our fortunes in the Champions League and and how we're the informed team and how nobody wants to face us and that just went all out the window. So. Honestly, I'm stunned, but I'm more sad than anything because I know that this isn't going to turn out well. I, it just isn't. Whether the, whether the, the team, if the teams get what they want and they get more money in the end, how does it help us? You see me on the on these podcasts with you every single time I wear a Chelsea jersey. Today I couldn't. So that says it all as a fan. I, I, I hope they're working in my best interest and in, in the fan of the in the best interest of the fans for more money, but how much money is enough? I mean, man, they're getting millions. These are millionaires involved in this, billionaires, multi-billionaires that are involved in this. So like you said, how much more do they want? When 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 is enough? When when do we have to draw the line? When when are we going to say, all right, this is it, no more? And um, of course, we definitely appreciate your perspective because uh, it it it's it's from a fan. It's a very it's a very genuine and a very true feeling that you have. And I feel like this is needed right now because a lot of things have been talked about these last 24, 48 hours many things but the one thing that i have not heard much from or much about are the fans dude you make a big part of chelsea i make a big part of barcelona all these millions of people make a big part of these clubs and to basically say all right well we're not going to play champions league anymore or we don't want to be a part of any of those competitions. We're going to make our own league. Then, I mean, it it it, it does kind of hurt. But I'll tell you this, Chris. I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't love the idea. But I also don't hate it. I guess it could be because I've, I've kind of known about this. I've, I haven't warmed up to it. But I've braced myself for impact for like six years now. I've heard about this for six years. I remember being in high school, talking to my Spanish teacher about a potential Super League. Of course, in a joking manner, like, ah, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. We might never live to see it, but it's happening. And again, I, I, don't, I don't hate the idea. 
I don't because think about the Champions League. How was that born? It's the Champions League. It's it it says it in the name. You have to be a champion to play. It's it, it's an exclusive way of getting in. But of course, there is a way to get in. You can win your league title and you're in. But still, it's exclusive. Same thing with the Premier League. Um, the the big teams wanted to part ways with the with the bottom feeders and they created the Premier League. And that's how it's been going on. So, of course, right now, it it hurts. We're stunned. We don't know what's going on. But it could be for the better, for all we know. Uh, or maybe this this was just a stunt and nothing happens. Like you said, there's so much. There's so much that could happen. But, Chris, let me ask you this. If there's anything positive that you can see from this Super League, what what is it? What do you think a pro can be from from this idea? Well, what they're saying is they have a lot of fans all over the world. Uh, they want to satisfy those fans. Like um, Real Madrid versus AC Milan. Barcelona versus Manchester United much more frequently than maybe once a year. And they'll serve. They, they, we can actually see those matches. The, right now, we try to go watch a match like that. We gotta we gotta give up an arm and a leg. There's no way we're gonna watch a match like that. Like those, there's it's a very exclusive. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be 60,000 people, but it's very hard to get a ticket for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess we can watch more. More people get to watch more matches. And um, look, think about it like this. And it's it it struck a chord with me. Real Madrid and Barcelona can't afford to buy players right now think about that real madrid and barcelona the two giants of football the pandemic hit everybody so mm -hmm. i understand their point they're they're trying to survive florentino Perez is saying 2024 by the time the new champions league format kicks in we might not make it they're they're funding a stadium they didn't know this was going to happen i get that and i guess that could be a positive these these 12 teams are going to benefit but i don't know man it's just really hard to see <laughs> It's really hard to to pick out a silver lining in this because we we're just gonna. It's just so ugly. It's just so ugly, and you know it. Like, yeah, it's tough yeah. to accept. It is. It is, and that's funny because in my notes I I have the pros and literally what you said. That's it. That's all I have in my notes. The now the cons or there there are many, but I decided to pick one, and I know. It, it it's it's pretty much just based on like my personality and and what what I am passionate about. I'm passionate about the history of the game. I I enjoy old school football, soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. So in this tournament, you're gonna have a lot of exclusions, and we're not gonna have many feel good stories. We don't have that many feel good stories in the Champions League as it is. So. You know, there's no, there's not going to be any Cinderella stories in this Super League. Let's let's not get it twisted. Real Madrid can never be a Cinderella story. Barcelona can never be a Cinderella story. Okay, let's let's address that. That's no, 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 no. Um, so we won't see many of those in the Super League. And also, what happens to teams that maybe haven't been very relevant? in the European platforms in the last 20 years, but in the 70s and the 80s and in the, the 90s, they gained a lot of success. I'm talking about Ajax, I'm talking about Marseille, I'm talking about Dortmund, 
even though the Bundesliga teams didn't want to participate in this, neither did the the, did the French league teams. But what, like Ajax, what's going to happen? I mean, these guys have a pedigree in Europe. They have more of a pedigree than Atletico Madrid, Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal. Where's their spot? Ajax is a part of the elite of Europe. Look at the big teams in Europe. Look at Barcelona. They have Frankie de Jong. Look at Manchester United. They have Donny van de Beek. Look at Juventus. They have Matthijs de Ligt. All of the and, and you can go back in history. You can see all of these players. Just because their team, the 11 that they present in these games, isn't quote-unquote elite, doesn't mean that they haven't produced ridiculously talented players throughout the years. And they've won their fair share of Champions Leagues too. So where are they? They're elite. Yeah. Yeah. And well, they have three more spots open still. They may they may join. Who knows? I mean, I, if we'll see. Don't, we'll don't see what so. happens, man. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think they're but joining maybe, that statement. Tomorrow mm-hmm. maybe there might be ten teams. <laughs> Well, maybe yeah. by Friday. I mean, they said yeah. they said players can't play for their national teams, mm-hmm. and they can't play from the domestic leagues. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough. That's yeah. that's the death sentence. And and again, this is this speaks about the exclusions that I was talking about because it's not just the teams. Now you're talking about the players that can't. Imagine Messi not being able to play the Copa America this summer. Imagine Cristiano Ronaldo not being able to play the Euro. Trying to defend the title with Portugal. I mean, you think Cristiano's not going to yeah. do anything about? And, and I'm, I'm I, genuinely, I'm surprised that Ronaldo and Messi and these guys haven't said anything about it. They, they, they haven't said. I mean, they probably have some hush money for sure. But, dude, come on! Like these guys are the faces <laughs> of the game. They haven't said a thing. Yeah, it's tough. You can't. I mean. I heard Gary Neville said something like that. Like you, it's just speak against your club type stuff. But mm-hmm. it's tough. You're gonna you're gonna insult your employer. There's no going back. Hey, but if there's <laughs> if there are two people that can get away with that, well, three. Oh yeah. Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin, Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> and Lionel Messi. Those are the three people that can get away with that. Yeah, um, true. And going back a little bit to what. I was reading at the beginning of, of this segment about UEFA's uh, uh, statement. Honestly, I read into it a little bit, maybe too much. And I just feel like UEFA, a little bit hypocritical with all of this. Because I know that if this tournament was called the UEFA Super League, they would be so happy. Because ultimately what they want is a piece of the pie. And they don't have a piece of the pie. That's what they want. Yeah, and that's that's Paris's rebuttals as well. That's tough to. That's the thing, man. It's so tough to to know truly where to stand on this. Because, like I said, I do feel sad as a fan. We're we're giving. I know we're gonna give up a lot to taking the stand with everybody with all the other clubs. But Paris said, "How do we know LeBron James's salary by game?" And we don't know the UEFA president's salary. Every time we look up under the last 10 years, how many times have we heard about sanctions against people who were elected in UEFA? Every year. So how do we know? I mean, dude, these are the most powerful men at the most powerful clubs. Yeah. And they're saying, they're standing on 10 toes saying, we're going to, we're, they're not kicking us out of the Champions League and we're getting, we're doing this freaking league. Yeah. 
Ballsy. Let's see. Ballsy. It's a, it's a big game of chicken. Yeah, and also, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And the, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to ask you, do you think Chelsea, Manchester City, Real Madrid are going to get kicked out of this season's Champions League? Or will they just play out the remainder of, of this season? I, the rumor is that we're, we're done. The rumor is Chelsea, Real Madrid, and um, Man City are, are all out. I, although that's what I heard today throughout, I mean, you never know. I, I sit here again in disbelief that UEFA would throw away those five remaining games because that's yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, Real Madrid, two to, or two legs, that's money. Man City, uh, PSG, money. And that yeah. final. Always dude, money. I, I can't, yeah, I can't see them. Saying, yeah, let's all throw it away. I don't, I, and then by default, PSG champions without a game. I, I don't see it. And they also, if they do that, they have to have a, a, a discussion with their broadcasters. Yeah. How do you get, how do you pay back that, that money? Oh, it's, those three teams are out. Yeah, there's there's so much there's so much in play, so many elements, so many moving factors. You just you, you can't just throw it out the window and and start brand new next season. There's there's so much that goes into this. You can't that you, that you I cannot. just can't see it. No, <laughs> I don't see it either. I, I feel like by Thursday, UEFA is going to be like, all right, well, listen, we acted a little bit too harsh. We're going to let them play it out. Well, of course, because your pockets are going to be full by May whenever this Champions League final is going to be played, like the 22nd or the 28th, something like that. Um, wow. All right. Well, um, anything else you want to add about this uh, about this Super League? Um, any a- any final thoughts before we move on? Man, I mean, it's amazing. That was one of the most amazing moments in soccer, and not a not one ball was kicked. Yeah, so <laughs> it, was, it was that was nuts. Yeah, it, it it was, man. It was, and I think this kind of shows the the power of the game. A ball doesn't have to be kicked for the world to completely stop. Um, but yeah, but also really quick, I want to make a quick point before we move on to Jose Mourinho. Um, I feel like this this league isn't called the European Super League. For one reason and one reason only, because once it starts, it's not just going to be a European Super League. We're going to have teams from the MLS. We're going to have teams from Argentina, from Brazil, from Qatar, from Japan. It's going to be a world league. It's going to be a global league. That's why they have refrained from calling it the European Super League, because it's not. They would be lying if they said it was a European Super League. It's going to be a global one, man, and there's going to be games all over the place. We might see Real Madrid at at uh, Red Bull Arena or at, at MetLife or at Yankee Stadium or at Soldier Field. Frequently, yeah. not just once every six, seven years. We might see them very often. So, yeah, uh, globalizing the game, that's been the trend for the last few decades, I would say. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's it. Those, those, uh, those are our thoughts on the super league let us know what you think um you can tweet at us at total foot club and uh of course on instagram send us dms or a comment on our on our posts we 
we would love to get some interaction and uh, and read your comments. That that would be pretty pretty cool. Um, all right, let's move on now to Jose Mourinho, uh, a dead man walking. Let's be honest. This guy was on the verge of getting sacked probably from the day that he started. Um, if if I'm being honest, Chris, about time. It's about time. I'm not even a Tottenham fan. I took a dump on them last week. Um, it was about time. And I like Jose. But it was time to let go. Yeah. Uh, tough, man. I really I, I, I have a soft spot for Jose Mourinho. I do. He, he had some glorious years at Chelsea. So it's tough for me to be uh, objective, but man, he he he's outdated, man, and it's tough. He has to has to really. I don't know if he'll get a, a a top jump anytime soon because it's really gone south for him the last few few times, and it's tough because look at the job he did with Manchester United and look what Ali Gunnar Solskjaer done, and tell me what's different other than the trophies that Mourinho won. <laughs> Well, and so, and uh, give it a couple of weeks. Maybe uh, Ole is going to have the the same European title that Jose had. Yeah, for all true. we know. True. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I feel bad for him. But yeah, uh, Tottenham Tottenham is a tough project. Once everybody heard who oh, Jose Mourinho linking up with Daniel Levy at Tottenham, it's uh, tough to see that going well. It just, yeah. uh, like you said, it's it sound. It felt like he was a dead man walking, and yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. It was uh, a weird. It was a weird match that one. It, was it ever a, a matchup though? Yeah. What, 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 I mean, I just feel like honestly, it, it was a PR stunt because after after a while, maybe um, Daniel Levy said, oh, "I shouldn't have let go of of Poch." I should have kept them. And he's like, all right, what what can I do to make people forget about me letting go of the guy that took us to a Champions League final? Well, let me bring Jose Mourinho. Let me bring someone loud. Let me bring someone that that can maybe fire up these guys. I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't fire them up. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the All or Nothing documentaries on Amazon Prime or Amazon Video. Really good. I, I genuinely recommend them. I feel like in that entire documentary, the only person that actually believed Jose Mourinho's message was Harry Kane. Other than that, the players just kind of... They didn't say anything, but they just looked annoyed. Deli Ali looked annoyed. Uh, and uh, I mean, when you have Jose Mourinho chewing your ears off, of course, you're going to be annoyed. But it just felt like Harry Kane was the only guy that believed in Jose. And he was the first one to to thank him for everything that that he did for for him at his time at at Tottenham so it could just be that that Harry Kane was the only one that was really believing his message and, and I mean he made him captain so could be that that he was just very thankful for that but yeah I mean you you hit it right on the head man I really don't think Josie's gonna get a top tier job anytime soon unless it's like a pundit or something like that but as a manager I don't see him Getting a top tier job, uh, you're he he's outdated. He's outdated, and the way that he used to motivate his players doesn't work now. Because if you yell, if you yell at a player or you talk to him a certain way, 
He's going to lash out on social media and then you're going to be out of your job because that's how it is nowadays. Um, now I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying because that's how it is. It's easy to just show people what it's like. You have a phone, you take a picture, you take a video, you write the message, you post it on Twitter and that's it. Jose Mourinho can't get away with certain things now. Um, so yeah, I mean, for the love of, uh, of Jose that I have, because I do appreciate him certainly maybe not as much as you do, but I would hope that Jose would get some, some job. Uh, I don't know, maybe a national team where he doesn't have to be there every single day. It's more of like computer work and scouting and stuff like that. He's never coached national team. So who knows? Maybe this is the opportunity. Let me ask you, there's three or four jobs that I think of, and I'm like, you know, he, if he, he goes there, well, two, one job specifically, that if he goes there, he could, he could resurrect his career. And if I were him, I'd throw all my trophies on the table and say, please, mm-hmm. let me take a crack at it. Let's hear and it. that's Bayern Munich. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Hansi Flick just uh, handed his resignation over the mm-hmm. weekend. He's going if to the Mar- German national team. Yeah, and and they're struggling trying to get his replacement. They they want Nagelsmann from uh, Rebel Leipzig, but uh, they're struggling to get him because Rebel really wants to make a. They they lost Opakamino, I think is, is his last Opamecano, name. Opamecano, yeah, yeah, uh, the, the Opamecano, center, yeah, Opamecano, the center back mm-hmm. to Bayern, and they feel like if they lose their coach to Bayern too, it's just a wrong message to send to the rest of the locker room. So I heard um, they're really struggling, Bayern, to, to, to really find a, a world-class replacement. And if you think about it, that's the one where if Mourinho goes and says, please, let me just, let me, give me a one-year deal. Let me, let me just show you that I could win it all. Those players could do the, could do the job for him and bring him back to, to a level of, you know, respectability. Yeah. But other than that, there's some other jobs, man. Like, uh, Bruce Dortmund is going to be open. That that's one that if he wins a title with there, he could get some level of credibility. Mm-hmm. And then there's Juventus um, who are looking shaky. Okay, there there's I I think that might be the best one, Juventus right there because Juventus? Uh, yeah, yeah yeah because Dortmund I think they have their replacement lined up, might be the manager for Mönchengladbach, Marco Rosa. I think that's the replacement. So, oh yeah, yeah. It's between oh. Bayern and Juventus, and I like Juventus, yeah. especially if Ronaldo leaves this summer, because I don't know if he would go if Ronaldo's there, and I don't know if Ronaldo would want him. Um, True. If True. he leaves, they should be an agent though, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Let let me ask you this. He already had success in Italy. Jose Mourinho did. He won a treble with Inter two seasons. Or a season and a half. I, no, two seasons, I think mm-hmm. he, he was at Inter. If he goes to Juventus 10 years later, Inter's biggest rival, do you think he would get any type of heat for that? Maybe things settle down a little bit. Maybe at Inter they forgot. Well, no, I, I don't think they forgot about their last Champions League. But do you think there will be any extra animosity because he went to the rival, even though it's been a long time since? I don't think so, honestly. I think they would get into it now, and I think he'd get into it now too. Because look at how he went to Tottenham when he was mm-hmm. a chip, when he was ex Chelsea. Look at how he went to United. And if you look at uh, what's going on in Italy, they have 
Juve is old manager in Conte. So it's it's mm, it happens all the time. Managers go to go to their rivals all the time. Uh, Gattuso was Milan manager and then Napoli manager. Sorry, was Napoli manager and then Juve uh, manager. So it happens all the time. Yeah. I think he I think he'll go there. He'll he'll, he'll really buy into it. And um, yeah, they look they're fighting for Champions League spots yeah. this year, which is not usual for them. So no, they're they're they've clinched the title by now. Yeah, so. If he if he does a job there, which he can, because he knows Italy. Italy is very defensive. He plays his boring football there. And they, I don't think they really mind as long as he wins. As long as he wins something there, you know, yeah. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and let's be honest, Italy might be the country or the city. I might be the league that remembers Jose Mourinho the best, besides the Premier. Well, you know what. It might be unfair, but I feel like in the Premier League, that image of Jose Mourinho has been tainted by everything that happened at United and now at Tottenham. Those two tenures were not great. So maybe his image has been a little bit blemished, but regardless, you can't, you cannot erase what he did at Chelsea. You know this better than anyone. You cannot erase what he did at Chelsea, but at Inter, he did a great job as well. And in the Serie A, his reputation might still be intact. So... Of course, I mean, Andrea Perlo might not be the guy for for the job. They might give him another year for all we know. But regardless, if that vacancy does open up, Jose Mourinho, he's unemployed. He probably doesn't want to go to be in sport. So there you go. He'll uh, He'll definitely like to take that job. But really quick before we move on, who do you think is the replacement for Jose Mourinho at Tottenham? I, I've, I've seen a couple of names. I don't really know of any of these fit. That might just be Tottenham. <laughs> it might just be Tottenham that's the problem. <laughs> what What are you hearing? Because off the top, it's hard. It's hard for me to really think of somebody who stands out, man. It's tough. Uh, well, for starters, I think we should mention that Ryan Mason has been named manager until the end of the season, so he's going to be managing the Cup final this Saturday. Uh, Ryan Mason, as you guys know, had to retire early due to a head injury. That game was actually against Chelsea. If, yeah, if, I remember watching that game. Yeah, me too. The the crack was so loud. It, yeah, and keep in mind, full stadium, fans yeah. in the stands, pre 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 pandemic, and the crack of his skull was just it was very disturbing. So he had to retire. Now he's managing, and he's in the first team, and he's taking over up until mid May, around this time next month, you, you can say. Um, so he might remain in in that position should things play out well imagine if he wins the 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 league cup final if he beats man city you don't think they're gonna keep him yeah he's gonna earn himself a reputation like a really good reputation so maybe it all depends on what happens on saturday who knows um i've been hearing mauricio sarri i've been hearing that for like a month i've 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 been reading about that too uh and one that doesn't make much sense but I've been hearing as well, Julian Nagelsmann from Leipzig. I thought he was pretty much signed and sealed with Bayern Munich. I could be way wrong, but it's still there. It's a possibility. And they call him Baby Mourinho. I don't understand why. Uh, the, is, their styles and philosophies are different. It could just be maybe because they didn't really have a professional career playing and they made their name in the game by managing and not by playing. That, that could be why, uh, but 
that's a bad nickname too, Baby Mourinho. That's really bad. But yeah, those are the names. I mean, I don't, I don't think Pep Guardiola would lead Man City to go to, to go to Tottenham. I don't think Jurgen Klopp will will leave Liverpool. But uh, those are the names. Which one do you think fits the most? <laughs> I think Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann of, of those is the one, but I don't see. If they're not gonna let him go to Bayern Munich, I don't know if he would go to Tottenham. So no, I don't know, man. Oh, I, I, all, I've read uh, rumors on all of those as well, and none of those. I don't think any of those are the guy. That's why I wanted yeah. you to to say because I really don't know. None of those guys really fit. No, they don't. None of those guys sound like Tottenham uh, managers. Yeah. Maybe bring in Villas Boas, <laughs> bring him back. Um, or uh, what was that one guy? You know like what? Like 2013. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll give you someone because thinking of Daniel Levy, the only time he strayed away from this was when he hired Mourinho. But he likes to he likes to pick up managers from Premier League teams that overachieve, like mid table teams that overachieve. He likes to pull up their managers, to, and that's how he got Poach. Like he uh, mm-hmm. he saw Poach. Uh, Kill with Southampton, mm-hmm. plucked them right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so one that makes sense, I don't know if, they could, if he could get him because he's probably going to be in the man, is David Moyes from West Ham. Okay. That might be the one where he they, they he might say him, and it might sound, that sounds, you know, underwhelming at first, <laughs> but that might be a really sensible hire. Honestly, it might be the one that, that, that gets him. Back to I don't know if they'll get back to where Poach got him. I think that was their ceiling, and I don't know if they'll ever win a Premier League title. But um, yeah, he might he might be good. Who knows? Yeah, of course it sounds underwhelming because for me, when you say David Moyes, his current tenure at West Ham doesn't doesn't register yet. I think about that Manchester United <laughs> time in 2013, post Alex Ferguson. That's what I think about. So yeah, I mean. Unfair, of course, very unfair, but that's not a bad a bad call. You know what? I I thought you were gonna say Brendan Rogers for some reason. I don't know why. He's expensive. <laughs> and yeah, I mean he managed Liverpool already. He's he took Leicester City to an FA Cup final or he he he's gonna play an FA Cup final. Uh we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um yeah, David Moyes wouldn't be a bad choice. I think he's He's sensible. Shout out to the Tifo Football Podcast. Sensible, very sensible, <laughs> and and I think, I think that Tottenham fans might be like, "Oh, come on, are you serious?" But then once, once they get into fourth place, third place, maybe, maybe tickling, scratching for the Premier League title, they'll be like, "Oh my God, David Moyes, you are a genius," and you know, we'll see. That's that's the nature of the beast. We'll see how it goes, but the matter of the sorry, the, the fact of the matter is that Jose Mourinho is no longer in North London. All right, let's move on to the Copa del Rey final. Athletic Club and Barcelona. You want to talk about unlucky? Athletic Club Bilbao <laughs> has lost their second Copa del Rey final in the last two weeks. How unlucky is that? Um, but let's talk about a little bit about the game. We'll talk about Bilbao's luck in a bit. Um, I was genuinely surprised that Barcelona stuck with the 3-5-2. 
uh, because Jared Pique came back. I thought they were going to go back to a 4-3-3, maybe uh, play with Minguesa or Dest out on the right. Um, but they they stuck to their guns, and in the first 45 minutes, it looked like maybe it was just going to be a 0-0 where Barcelona was going to struggle, as they always do against these types of teams. Um, but then they flipped the switch in the second half, and they did what they had to do. Um, what what were your thoughts on 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 that game? Did you happen to to catch it or uh, maybe see the highlights? What, what what stuck out to you the most about this game? My God, that goal! <laughs> that goal was what stood out. Messi, oh my goodness, bro! He sometimes you have to appreciate greatness, man. People people be hating on this game. This this kid, he's older than me, but this guy just <laughs> he 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 plays in in. La Liga and sunny Spain, but man, you gotta, you just gotta appreciate greatness sometimes. Yeah. Messi, I saw something, I saw something on Twitter that made me crack up, but it's true. <laughs> Messi on that one goal showed he's like the best winger, number ten, midfielder and striker all in one play. It was like nuts, like dude, he's he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. We have to appreciate him. We got to stop trying to compare him to Ronaldo. They're both different players. We don't have to decide who's better. Just let them be and just appreciate it. Because let's, let's stop taking them for granted, man. Yes. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, it's beautiful they only football. Have, of course, of course. And to be honest, they only have a few years left. So if we didn't appreciate them back then, we should definitely start to appreciate them now because they're they are on their way out. That's that's for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny that you mention this this goal by Lionel Messi. Um, it, it was quick pace. It was, it, they, they starched that entire athletic club Bilbao side and it was unbelievable. It really was. And to me, I've been watching Lionel Messi since he debuted. I'm sure you have as well. It still baffles me how good he is dribbling in tight spaces. Like he just gets the ball from his left foot to his right foot and then he puts it back to his left foot and he can take a shot. I think what helps him is that he's short, so his his uh, center of gravity, you know, it helps. But Lionel Messi in tight spaces, some, sometimes it's better to give him space. Don't pressure him. Give him space. Let him figure it out. Give him as many options as possible because when you only give him one option, he's going to take it and he's probably going to execute. That's what we've seen from Lionel Messi throughout his entire career, 15, 16, 17 years that he's been playing professionally. Um, but the, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Barcelona as a as a whole, and and what they what what they accomplished on Saturday because I was saying this earlier on in the first half it was a monologue by Barcelona. Athletic Club started pressuring, and Barcelona found some spaces and they had some chances in the first ten minutes, but then the rest of the first half they had. A lot of possession, over 80% at some point, and it wasn't like in the first five minutes. It was like the 35-minute marker, and they had like 80-something percent possession, something crazy. But it was so inefficient and so just not not effective at all. It wasn't effective at all. They were passing the ball just to pass it. Athletic Club was very comfortable with sitting back, waiting for an opportunity. They got a counter. They, they got a counter in, and the good thing is that Barcelona was able to clean up that, that mess. 
But that first half was dreadful. I mean, even even for someone that has a rooting interest, it was just bad. It was dreadful. Nothing happened. And then what stood out to me, besides, of course, Messi's goal, what stood out, what stood out to me was how quickly Barcelona was able to flip the switch. They they became more vertical. They they became more threatening, more dangerous. Griezmann had one that Unai Simon saved and then it deflected off of Griezmann. And then there was a similar play for the first goal, which, by the way, I don't know if Serginho does this, did this on purpose, but he like checks in and De Jong is playing out wide and De Jong just pings across beautifully to Griezmann and he, he finishes it like he was supposed to in that first one. But I mean, ultimately he finished. But it was a lot of wing play by Barcelona that caused the damage. Uh, same thing, like you talk about Messi's second goal, Jordi Alba. Down the left-hand side, plays it into Messi. Messi outside of the box, pings it in with his left foot. I mean, how many times have you seen that? All the time. They, they tried it a lot in the first half, and it just felt like no one else besides Lionel Messi could take a shot in that team. Uh, but now we know why they give the ball to Messi, because he does those things. Um, but it, it, was, it was refreshing to see this Barcelona, because finally they showed up in a big, in, in a big game. Finally. They were... Losing to Real Madrid, both Clásicos. Losing in the Champions League to Juventus at home when they weren't supposed to lose 3-0. They lose 3-0. They end up in second place. And they draw PSG. And we know what happens. They lost to PSG 4-1. Um, to They also lost to, to Atletico Madrid in, in La Liga. So big games were just not going good for Barcelona. And now they play in a final. Oh, and that Super Cup final that they played in January against the same rival. They lost an extra time. Same venue. They were able to redeem themselves. And this was it. Um, honestly, I've heard people say that this felt like Lionel Messi's goodbye. I don't think so. It, it didn't feel like it at all. It was like, yes, we're back. We're back to winning. Finally. Let's keep on building. Um... But but yeah, I mean, this is what Barcelona showed, and it's I'm I'm not saying that it's promising. I'm not saying that I'm getting hyped up for this, but it's better than what we've seen all season, and it's probably arrived at a good time. Yeah, yeah. I would say also, Sergino Dust will signing, man. Yeah, uh, that's worked out for you guys. That's that's, that's uh, Danny Danny Alves's true true heir. Yeah, he's playing. It looks like he found a home over there, so it's looking great. Yeah, I mean, he played for Ajax, and he goes into Barcelona. It kind of, it kind of translates because there's a similar style, a, a similar essence, and a similar philosophy for the game. Um, I've I, I've been wanting to ask you this, and I've I want to see if 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 I'm maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way. Um, when I saw this Athletic Club team and the way that they presented the game. In the first half, I immediately thought about Atletico Madrid in the 2013-2014 season. Hear me out. They press very high early in the game. They maintain that 4-4-2 stingy defending. They sit back. They wait for a counter opportunity. And that Atletico Madrid team had David Villa and Diego Costa. So, you know, Iñaki Williams, great player. Raul Garcia, who also played in that team. Good player, but it's not David Villa, it's oh, yeah. not Diego Costa. Um, what do you think? Do you think that comparison is fair, or do you think I'm a little off? No, it's pretty It's pretty spot on. Uh, Unai Simon back there, good goalkeeping. Mm -hmm. He's pretty spot on. And Yaki Williams is a great player, too. I like him. 
I like I like what he brings. He's he's pace and electricity. So yeah, spot on. Well, there you go. I feel very proud about my comparison. But <laughs> but you know, once well, whenever you have that type of approach for the game and you see yourself down four goals in the span of 12 minutes, there's not much that you can do because you yeah. have married yourself to that counter-attack approach that you try to bring in, bring in players to maybe give that that little spark to the team and it just doesn't work one you're down for nothing two the idea is different you you can't just go from one end to the other it takes it takes some sort of process and once you're down for nothing there's no time for process there, there, there's no time for processing you got to execute like that. You got to act quick. And Athletic Club couldn't do it. I mean, they they were smothered. Four goals, 12 minutes. Barcelona just came to play that second half. Um oh, and also Athletic Club Bilbao has uh yeah. they, they they haven't won a Copa del Rey title since 1984 and like we mentioned, they've lost two consecutive Copa del Rey finals. Actually three, the 2015 one they lost it. Um but yeah, they they lost two in April <laughs> this month. Hasn't been good for Bilbao. Um, yeah, yeah, horrible. Bad luck. Anything else you want to add about about this uh, Copa del Rey final before we we move forward, sir? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, Barca isn't my favorite. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, <laughs> I I think about that text you sent me pretty pretty often. That was hilarious. Um, all right, well, now let's talk about your team. Chelsea and Man City, FA Cup semifinals. Go ahead. The floor is yours. I want to hear your analysis about the game. Oh, I mean, a second week, a second week, I'm gushing about a manager's performance because Thomas Tuchel, my guy, a master class. Last week it was Zidane. This, this week it was my manager, man. He, what he showed is that we have a manager that can adapt to whatever – game situation presents itself and that's very deadly that's why i'm so sad about this super league uh announcement and what it probably means for our champions league chances because i would have really liked to see what could have happened every week he he, he he uh rotates the players uh every game it depends on who what what who the opponent is and who's in form and who's not I mean, it, it's it's a delight to, to watch i've been watching chelsea for 10 years 11 years I've seen different managers and their different styles. Some guys rotate by the game. Some guys rotate by form. Some guys don't rotate at all. This guy finally finds the right balance. And it's like, I rotate on form. I rotate on need. I rotate on analysis. I rotate on opposition. I rotate just because I don't want you to know what I'm doing. And it's like, <laughs> wow, this guy is out there. So to bring, listen, I, I, every week I get, I get, I hear, where's he here? Where's where's Werner? Where's this guy? Where's where's Kai? Because Chelsea has so many guys, it's so tough. You, I think back in the day, people just uh, players used to just be happy to be on teams like Chelsea, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Now you got to be the man. If you're not the man, you got to go. You got to go somewhere yeah. else. Or you're going to be the man. And it's like it's tough to build out a full quality squad because if somebody's playing, somebody else isn't, and it's by the match. And it's like. Well, Christian Pulisic didn't play Sunday, mm -hmm. so what? Where's he going next transfer window? And it's like, 
Why everybody relaxes because six games in the season, and it's refreshing to see a manager who really knows how to use the tools at his disposal. And um, at the last three games I've been hearing, where's Zia? Where's Zia? Where's Zia? Zia's going to Sevilla for the center back. Zia's going back to Ajax. Then he brings in Zia, and what happens? Sharp as a knife out there, and just every counter attack, just sharp with Timo Werner, who also has been missing the last three games. Where's Werner? Where, where's the $50 million gunman you were talking about last summer? Man. And, and another thing, Timo Werner. <laughs> Sorry. Timo is the best season that you can have for the 30 goals that he was scoring at Leipzig. But he's doing everything right, man. Like, he, I think he had three assists and two of them were taken away by offsides on mm-hmm. Saturday. So, and then he got the one assist to Ziyech that decided the game, but he was deadly. I, I mean, it, it was, it's a delight. And it also showed that if we were to progress in the Champions League, and that's an if, I'm not trying to say, yeah, we're going to steamroll around Madrid because I know people would love to, to take something and run with it. But it just shows we can, we can match with any club on any given Sunday, any given day. So, yeah, man. Um, Real Madrid, PSG, Man City, whoever it is, we can we can stand toe to toe because we're there and we pose problems all day against the best team in the league. And yeah, they were resting, but we were too. So it's uh, it was a delight to watch, a delight to watch, and then all forgotten twenty four hours later. <laughs> well, you remember it, and that's what counts, right? as long as it lives in your memory that that great performance by Chelsea um and you mentioned it very well you you talked about how they can go toe to toe with these giants and yeah city was resting cool but that doesn't necessarily excuse them from the fact that they lacked so much intensity all the intensity that Chelsea showed that's a big reason as to why they won because they 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 showed a lot of intensity. To, uh, it it felt as if Manchester City was like, Ugh, do we have to play today? And Chelsea's like, yo, we're ready. Come on, let's do this. They're a young, hungry team. You can't you can't have yeah. that attitude against a young, hungry team. And Timo Werner, you also mentioned this. He he had three assists. And two of them were taken away by by VAR or by offside. Sorry. His final ball is so deadly. It is so deadly. And I'm not even talking about. The game on Saturday in the FA Cup. I'm talking about that assist that he had against Atletico Madrid in the second leg. The, deadly. Just deadly. Timo Werner is deadly. He might not be scoring the goals he was scoring at, at, at Leipzig, but he was also playing in the Bundesliga. He's now playing in the Premier League. No disrespect to the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga is fun to watch, but the Premier League is different. It's a different world. And you, it's very rare that a player can go from any other league be put into the Premier League and perform at the same exact rate that he was performing in the league previously. It doesn't happen. It happens once in a while. You have to be a phenom. And Timo Werner is an amazing player. But there's like a very select few. And that's fine. You Not not everyone's a phenom. Not, not, not everyone is this ridiculous goal scorer. It's fine. Maybe next season Werner is going to break out and he's going to have 20 Premier League goals for all we know. So, yeah, but it's just that that deadly 
final ball that he delivers. It's so fun to watch. And and you know this, Chris. You know that I love the number nine that can assist as well. I love it. I love those guys that can move out, move at, play as a 10, play as a false nine. I absolutely love that. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, that was a great performance by, by Chelsea. Not so great performance by Manchester City. But why I, what I admired the most from Chelsea was that they played fearlessly they pressed the hell out of manchester city they didn't let them keep the ball in a very comfortable way like whenever manchester city tried to build from the back Werner, ziek um who who was who else was playing out on the wing mason mount oh mason mount by the way what a player <laughs> my goodness mason mount this guy is a perfect combination of grit and ability Oh my goodness, he's such a good player, man. You guys have a really good player in Mason Mount. Not talked about much because he's not German, he's not French, he's not Spanish or whatever, but he is a damn good player. He's very solid. Um, but yeah, Manchester City was never able to build from the back, which is their forte. That That's the best thing that they do, build from the back. And Chelsea didn't didn't let them do it. Props to them. They showed a way to beat Manchester City. You don't have to just sit back. To beat Manchester City, you can press them. You can be aggressive, be vertical, attack their center backs. That's how you beat Manchester City. Props to Chelsea for showing that that way of, of beating the as you called them last week, the champions elect. Yeah, they they had a how how a popular term in England. They had the bit by the teeth in this game. You could see it every every loose ball. They were in there, man. They were just and if they weren't, they were making them known like, hey, we're here. So. It looked like you said, it looked like Man City were like, do we have to play today? And it looked like, do we have to play them? Like, <laughs> oh, it, 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 Chelsea looked like a, a stubborn team that nobody wants to play against. Like Thomas Tuchel said when he took over, he's going to make a team. He's not going to make a champion, but he's going to make a team that's going to, nobody wants to play against. And they're already there. It didn't take that long. Delivered on the promise. That's the, that's awesome. And, uh, it's a fun team to watch. I'll be honest. Chelsea Chelsea was so much more fun to watch on Saturday than Manchester City. Whenever Manchester City had the ball, I was like, oh, I hope they lose it. I want to see Chelsea with the ball. Um, and that's not very likely of me because I really enjoy watching Manchester City play. But speaking of Manchester City, I want to talk about Zach Steffen. He's, of course, he's a goalkeeper for the U.S. national team. Um, he doesn't play much. He plays in cup games like the one on Saturday. But he made a mistake in the goal. And, and, and you're already facing two guys that are lethal, world-class, Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. And what, what Zach Steffen did, and you guys might not know what we're referring to, or maybe you do if you, if you have a really, really good memory, he kind of hesitated because Timo Werner had the ball and then Zach Steffen, like, he's like, oh, should I go out? Should I not? All right, I'll just go out. And then he gave him all of this space. He just left him with one option. He's like, all right, well, I guess I'll pass it over to Ziyech. And there you go. Hakim Ziyech scores the goal. Um, I don't know. Do you think it's a little bit unfair to judge Zach Steffen on one game that he had? Um, I mean, he's never really done it for me anyway, but I don't know. What what, what are your, your thoughts on the U.S. men's national team goalkeeper? I, I like him. I think he played in a really tough league last year in Germany, and I like what he, what he showed. And um, look tough, man. He's playing against world-class opposition. So he sees Timo Werner coming down a right flank, and he's thinking, 
is he going to shoot it straight at me or is he going to pass the, the team Z or two? If he, if he sits there and waits and Timo Werner pops it right to him, are we sitting here saying, Zach Steffen can't read the game? You know, it's it's yeah. tough. But go. And then yeah. you ask me, like, is it is it harsh? I, I don't think it is. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, that's the life of a goalkeeper. You, you're you judged by your performances and how many goals you let in. And yeah. If you let in one or two, and those are the one or two that decide the game, that's on you, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that's the life of a goalkeeper. So, yeah. It's um, a lonely one. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a very, very lonely life for a goalkeeper. But uh, yeah, Chelsea moves on to the FA Cup final. They're third and wait, is it their fourth and five seasons or their their third and four seasons? You probably know this more than I because they won it in 2017, didn't they? They won it in 2017. That was Conte's last match. Okay, and then 2018, I believe we went to the final. Yeah, we went to the final and lost. Yeah, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, final and lost. So definitely the last. I think it's the fourth one. Okay, yeah. So the fourth one in in, in five seasons. Last, That's last five seasons. People don't talk about it, but here they are. Here's Chelsea again, and in in twenty twenty when they faced Arsenal, it felt like they were going to win. They Pulisic scored a beautiful goal early on in the game, and it it, it felt like they were going to pull through and maybe make it not so even early on but here they are chelsea and leicester city may 15th is the final of the fa cup do you do you want to give your prediction maybe for this do you even think this is going to be played with all of this that's going on (laughs) dude uh, all i know is uh they already say this all of england's rooting for leicester city (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) i want chelsea just winning uh hosting that cup so okay. my prediction, Tuchel makes it hard for me to choose against Chelsea. And that's my club, so obviously I'm biased. But, man, I don't know. I don't know. Players are human, so who knows? Maybe this might get into their heads. But yeah, but yeah. just sure. straight away on ability, I'll go Chelsea. I'll go, I'll go Chelsea 2-1. Nice. Nice. Sounds very reasonable. Very reasonable. I, I wouldn't doubt that that happening. Um, all right, let's move on. MLS, before we, we finish this, we're going to talk about the MLS. Yes, we care about the MLS. We live in America, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about the MLS uh, because the MLS started this weekend, and I, for one, was at the Chicago Fire game for the first time in a year and a half. Uh, it felt great. I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. I did get a little emotional when I got there. I'm like, oh, my God, I never thought I was going to be back at a stadium, but here I am. It was beautiful. Great time with my brother watching the game. It was a 2-2 draw between uh, Chicago Fire and New England Revolution. But we're not going to talk about the games. We're not going to talk. We're not going to break down any games. We're not going to do any of that. I want to start off by asking you this, Chris. How is soccer treated in New York? I know New York City is very diverse. But I just want to know what soccer or what, what, what spot, what place does soccer have in New York? What place does the New York Red Bull have? New York City FC have within the the big clubs or the big teams in New York, the Yankees, the Mets, the Giants, all of those, the, the Knicks. Where does soccer rank? So you would, I don't know if you would believe this, but soccer holds a very respectable place here in New York City. That's great um, to hear. Yeah. They, uh, they, you, you, they, go to, they go to games, man. People sell out. 
uh, of those games. They they go, they have their voices known. You get New York Christian Park and Madison Square Garden Stadium with Park City Field. So there's some they they're there at the games, man. Um the presence is is there. People choose their allegiances. I won't say there's a fierce rivalry. Like I'm not gonna say, oh, I'm a NYFC fan. I don't like Red Bull fans. I don't. I don't know if we go that far just yet. But there's definitely interest, um, and it's a, it's a fun ticket. It's definitely a fun time. Uh, people go there and they have chance. They take new uh, new newcomers in who go to stadiums and make sure that they have a a really fun time. So it's a it's a it's a cool experience, and just in the city in general, soccer is. Man, they play everywhere. Um, they play. I mean, there's basketball courts all over the place. There's handball courts all over the place. But soccer's played here all, all over the place, just as, just as much. Um, there's different communities here in in New York City. So there's uh, there's a European community. There's an Asian community. There's a Spanish community. There's a Latino community, and and, and obviously Brazilian community. And all these players, all these. Uh, Uh, groups of people definitely love the city, man. So Premier League and uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid having Ramo, uh, Ronaldo and Messi for so long. Ronaldo obviously is moving now, but the, the, the worldwide global recognition of the game has only skyrocketed. You know that. So it's definitely... Uh, Definitely had a good place here, and it's only gonna get. Yeah, well, that's awesome to hear because New York, again, very diverse, very diverse place, um, and it's it's great because here, where I'm at, uh, soccer doesn't have a very important spot. Like kids play it. Obviously, my my brother, he's 15 years old. He plays it. He loves to play. His friends play it. But Chicago Fire, even like in normal times, pre-pandemic, or even maybe after post-pandemic, they don't fill up the stadium. And they had, I remember Toyota Park being full maybe a couple times, and that was when Cuauhtémoc Blanco played for Chicago Fire. That was like 13, 14 years ago. Um, and other than that, I've, I've been to so many Fire games, very rarely do I see a full stadium. Uh, or did I see a full stadium? Of course, now like when I went, now they play at Soldier Field, but they you can't fill it up. I think there was only three thousand people that were allowed. Um, it felt very loud, though. I'll tell you that it felt really loud. But yeah, I, I mean, I almost expected New York to have that type of influence in in the game and and to and to kind of take it in and 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 enjoy it embrace it make it theirs because that's what new york is you know they they they, they put their touch on everything that that they do or everything that that you guys do and so does chicago but i guess they haven't embraced um the chicago fire as much um i'll, I'll tell you this though i'll tell you this I'm, I'm sure you don't keep up with the mls or you don't keep up much with with like the fire or anything like that but they started off winning 2 nothing within 11 minutes. It was a really, really, really good game. High-paced, very frantic. They lost the lead. They tied 2-2. It was a good game. And I'll tell you this, Chris. I'll tell you this. I don't know how good Fire is going to be this season. I really don't. It doesn't look like they, they're going to be that good. 
But if they play like this, I'm going to be at every home game. I don't care how much money I have to spend. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so much fun. I was at the edge of my seat the entire game. It was so intense. Um, I, I wasn't biting my nails because we had masks on. <laughs> Other than that, I, I would have no nails. But it was really good. It was really fun. Um, I want to ask you this, Chris. What players from the MLS do you keep up with? Which, which, which players do you maybe make some time to watch? Uh, definitely Carlos Vela from LAFC. That's my yes. guy, man. He's filthy. And I saw what happened this weekend. I saw he got hurt and he had a, a misunderstanding with <laughs> Bob Bradley. I don't know what's going on over there, but yeah, I definitely watch Vela. Vela's beast. He's he's been killing. And uh, Joseph Martinez, I think mm-hmm. this is his name. Yes, from uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta United, yeah. I, I think he's a cool striker. I think he I think he wears grills because of the Atlanta mm-hmm. culture, so I think that's cool. And yeah. uh who else? I would say now uh, I'm watching into Miami, just all the cause the expansion team and that's the Beckham's uh club, so definitely keep an eye on them. That's 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 a little fun little team. Iguain's over there, so yes. Yes, and there's also a Mexican player there, Rodolfo Pizarro. I don't know if you if you know him all that well. He was playing in the Mexican League quite a lot. Um, it's funny. I don't know why I really enjoy watching him play. He's like a very old-school, traditional number 10, so he doesn't really have much of a spot in the modern game. Even when he plays with the national team, he's always like... He, he, mm-hmm. he just doesn't perform. But, um, but yeah, I... I by in addition to what you were mentioning about Inter Miami, yeah, that's that's also a guy that I watch. Um, do you remember when Sebastian Jovinko played for for Toronto? Those times where he would just score free kicks at will, he was so much fun to watch. Yeah, that was that was a very controversial move at the time. Mm-hmm. Jovinko went from Juve to Toronto. They uh, Conte, I believe, was Italy manager and left him off the Italy teams during his prime years because mm-hmm. he said he wasn't in a he wasn't t- testing himself in a in a worthy environment, which was wild, man. Yeah. That was so crazy. But yeah, Giovinco was a little like fire ant, man. He was the best player in the league for for a while. It was awesome. Yeah, I I watched him live like four years ago when Toronto came to town and. Dude, it was crazy how, like, one minute he was defending and then the next minute he was, like, creating a chance. And you're like, wait, where'd you come from? What happened? He was so he, – he, I mean, he's still really quick. He's still really good. <laughs> but, yeah, he's – man, he's he's something. He's something. Um, let me let me ask you this, Chris. You look at the at the MLS, and this league is 26 years old. It, I mean, it, it, it doesn't even reach 30 yet. This league is 26 years old. And you look at everything that this league has done. You look at the amount of teams that they have. They started off with 12. They're going to get to 30 in a few years. I think they have 27 right now, if I'm not mistaken. Where do you see this league in another 10 years? Do you think this league can be a powerhouse in the Americas, in the world? Where do you see this league in 2031? Man, that's such a tough question to answer just because... Soccer's changing by the minute, as you can imagine, with mm-hmm. this Super League stuff. It's so tough. Who's to say one of these teams won't be in the Super League? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if if Atlanta United 
when when uh, if if those if Barca and Real Madrid are over here playing playing matches, and Atlanta United end up being a North American champion, who's to say they won't join the Super League? So it's tough to to say, but uh, the future is bright because you can you can see that they're heading in the right direction. You can see with a team like Atlanta United that they're choosing the, the right market, they're choosing the right uh, cities, the right venues for uh for the the expansions and they're and um they're, they're doing it correct man they're, they're getting great talent you know players like messi and ronaldo want to come over here so once those two do because i don't I, for example i don't think messi's ever going to be not messi like <laughs> messi's going to be the, the one till he's done like just like a lebron mm-hmm. james so messi comes over here who, who knows when 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 that when that move happens and David Beckham owns the team. Maybe if he goes to an Inter Miami or if he goes to an Inter Miami rival, could be amazing, man. Things things are things are only getting better. Things yeah. are only getting better. And and I'm really like the the main thing for me, the one the one that got my eye is Atlanta United. Like they really are just such a fun team to to watch. They had success with their coaches. Their coaches have gone on to major uh, uh, coaching jobs elsewhere. Tata Martino got the Mexico job off of the Atlanta United job. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and Frank DeBauer is now uh, the, the Holland coach. Like, dude, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. But um, Atlanta United is is a really fun project. A really, and it, and it shows like, hey, you want to join the MLS and, 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 and be successful? You can do it and it won't take that long. You just have to have, to have, you just have, to have the right plan. So, yeah. It, it's 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 it's, a, it's in a fun place and it can only get better yeah that's that's the thing it, it's in its infancy still so there's a lot of things that you can get away with and you might even consider them to be like uh some sort of like new new trends or or pioneering something new so that's the cool thing about the mls but i i still think the mls does have some issues very fixable issues um like for example there's no relegation i don't think a relegation is ever a relegation system is ever going to be implemented in mls i I, i've kind of come to terms with that no it it's not because let's look at this as a business person you're an investor chris you're an investor and you have an opportunity to invest in the premier league or in the mls in the mls you're going to build a stadium, probably. You're going to get a brand new stadium. You are going to win. In, your earnings are going to be in dollars, which, I mean, the pound and the dollar, you know, whatever. But you're going to have that that appeal from, from the mainstream pop culture over here. And your franchise is never going to decrease in value because it's never going to get relegated. Whereas in the Premier League, you can invest in Fulham, for example, you might be down the next season, you know, you, you you could be down in the championship the following season and you might be there for many, many years. And there goes your investment. You lost 25, 30, 50 percent of what you invested and you don't want that as a business person. So there's that. I also think that having a draft in the MLS, it's like, yeah, it's an American thing, but soccer isn't an American thing. So maybe if we get rid of the ML uh, of the not of the MLS, if we get rid of the of the draft then we can encourage the academies even more to create talent to to bring these talents up through the ranks like they do in the big european teams 
and it'll just make it a little more fair. It'll make it better because let's be honest. When you go to college and you take that traditional way, you're 22 by the time you debut. Dude, at 22, you're a fossil in this sport. Mbappe won a World Cup at 19. I always use this example. So you're a fossil at, at, at 22. You can't debut. At, at 22, you have to be playing like your fifth season professionally already. So that kind of has to go away. But the, there's a lot of positive things. Like, for example, before, the only appeal to this league was the players that were about to retire. They would come here. They would cash out. They would retire. Go back to their uh, their home nations. Right now, there's a lot of young South American players coming here. They're really contemplating. They're like, mm, I don't know if I want to go to Europe. Let me go to the MLS. Piti Martinez from Atlanta United. Um, he he made his choice and he played here. Uh, I, I believe he plays in, in in the Middle East somewhere, in Qatar or something like that. But that, that that's kind of besides the point. It's a lot of young South American players that are coming here. So they're they're getting away from that retiring player. And they're bringing in the young South American player that Real Madrid would would pay, you know, like a million for a, a million euros, and they would bring him in, and they would become Iguain or Marcelo or whatever. Now they're taking them to the MLS because it, it's appealing. Who doesn't want to live in America? I mean, who doesn't want to earn dollars? That that's that that's the appeal, especially from the outside, because you know America loves to sell itself really, really well. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, if you ever come to Chicago, let me know, Chris. So I, I can take you to a fire game because this one was fun. I'm sure this the the next ones are gonna be really fun too. <laughs> um, Sounds good, man. Yeah. I haven't been to a to a MLS game yet. Really? I've, uh, I've only heard of, uh, of, of about them. Yeah, yeah. I, I the 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 so I have friends who are season ticket holders, and they send me uh, uh, videos of the atmosphere all the time. That's why I, it's like they send it to me, and it's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe it, but look at this, and it's like, oh sh, this yeah. is pretty crazy. Like there's there's a lot of people out there, and they're going nuts at these games. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know if they're selling out Yankee Stadium, but the the, the allotted uh, slots that they have at the stadium, they they're there. They're, they're definitely making their voices so yeah it's a, it's a fun time and I, i'll can't wait to go over there man for sure it, it's gonna be awesome of course of course the invitation is open and i'm sure your friends will love to take you to to a game uh, either nycfc or or the red bulls but um yeah that wraps it up for for episode number one of this week uh chris if you uh Actually, no, Chris. I'm, 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 <laughs> I was gonna say if you want to give your social media, but it's kind of a requirement, sir. I'm sorry, I have to force you to social media. Your Twitter, your conversations, your your tweets are always very, very <laughs> interesting. Go ahead, the floor is yours. No, so it's Chris S O L O D O L O underscore, and uh, yeah, you can follow me on there. It's it's. It's always a fun time. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It, it, it's a good follow. That's for sure. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Rate it and review it on Apple Podcasts. That helps us go a long, long way. Watch it on YouTube. If you want to see these pretty faces, you can go ahead and watch us on YouTube. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Total Foot Club. Surely we're going to be live tweeting 
through certain games, maybe with with uh, with these new things, these new bits of news that are coming up. There's going to be a lot of tweets, a lot of information being shared. Also, I've been getting a lot of good feedback on the polls that I've been posting on the Instagram stories. Uh, hundreds of people are, are voting daily. It's really fun. It's it, it's great to interact with, with, with the people. I, I know there was a bit of a change before the content was exclusively in Spanish, but now we, we are adding this English element and it, it feels good. It feels really good. And honestly, Chris, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this. We, we have a good solid following in Argentina. So the people in Argentina appreciate the, the, the product that we bring to them. And surely they're going to appreciate this second episode that we have planned for later this week. But for now, we will let you guys go. We hope that everything gets somewhat solved. Chris, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I'll, I'll be talking to you. And we will be seeing each other again next week. Thank you all so much. Take care and goodbye.